everything has a beginning. You have a beginning. Your closest relationships have beginnings. Life and creation have a beginning. And today, we're exploring where it all began, when God began creating the heavens and the earth. In this 15-minute message, our senior pastor, McGray DeVega, walks us through the first five verses of Genesis, in which God's spirit hovers over the waters of chaos and begins bringing order. It will be an opportunity to reflect on God's ability to order the messiness of our lives. And we have a way for you to physically engage with today's message. At the end of the sermon, you will want to have a bowl of water nearby. McGray will invite you to touch that water and either remember your baptism, if you've already been baptized, or remember God's ongoing work in your life if you have not yet been baptized. And I'll be back after the sermon to tell you about some next steps, including how you can explore baptism if you haven't been baptized yet. Let's pray together. God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, and humility, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. Amen. Every story has a beginning, whether the opening is once upon a time, or long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, or it was a dark and stormy night. The opening of a story is what draws us in, sets the tone, and prepares us for what comes next. But the opening is even more important for those stories that matter the most. Hearing how your life began reminds you of your childhood, your family influences, and the values that continue to shape who you are. On July 4th, remembering the story of how our nation began reminds us of the spirit of independence and love of freedom that defines what it means to be an American. And just a few weeks ago, remembering the story of the birth of Jesus reminds us of how the life and ministry of Jesus continues to shape who we are as Christians. So, to start this new year, we start, well, at the very beginning. Not just to learn more about the Bible, but to rediscover who God is and to remember who we are. It's a good place to start. So for the next seven weeks, we will be walking through the first chapter of the book of Genesis and going deeper into each of the seven days of creation. Our hope is that as we start 2023, each Sunday will offer a number of benefits. We'll regain a sense of wonder about this amazing world and remarkable universe that we get to call home. We'll be prompted to be more curious students and more responsible caretakers of creation. And we will remember that faith and reason do not need to be at odds when it comes to the Bible and modern science. We will remember that the Bible is not meant to be a science textbook that tells us how creation happened. It is first and foremost a theology book that tells us who did the creating and why. The ideas of evolution and the Big Bang Theory need not be incompatible with the main interest of the Bible, which is to point us to God who does the creating. So the most important outcome of this sermon series on creation is that we become more deeply committed followers of Jesus Christ and more committed to making God's love real for others and all creation. Now, along the way, we'll make some interesting stops and have some amazing discoveries. 
in a few weeks when we talk about God creating the stars and the planets. We'll examine some of the mind-blowing discoveries by the James Webb Telescope. On February 5th, when we talk about God creating the animals, we will have our first ever blessing of the animals. When you can bring your pets in on Sunday afternoon, February 5th, for a pet blessing. We'll talk about human equality and the work of reconciliation on day six, when we hear about God creating humans. And we will conclude with a beautiful reminder of Sabbath rest to round out our journey. You will not want to miss a single Sunday in person or online. And it all starts today in the beginning. In the beginning. That's the way the Bible starts after all, isn't it? Those are the three words that we are most used to seeing on page one of the Bible, especially in the King James Version that most of us grew up with. Those three words convey certainty about a definitive starting moment in the creation story. There was nothing, then God created, and then there was something. I mean, that's that's the way our minds are most used to thinking about it. Those three words were first penned by William Tyndall as he created the first English translation of the Bible in 1536. There was a beginning point in history before which there was nothing. And then God created and then the universe began. Now those three words have often prompted very reasonable questions throughout history about where God was before creation. I'm reminded of a story by St. Augustine in his book, Confessions. A church member asked Augustine, what was God doing before he created the universe? Augustine says he thought about saying, preparing hell for people who ask too many questions. <laughs> but he said he respected the parishioner too much, so he prayed and pondered the answer. And finally, this is what he said. Before God created the world, there were no clocks, and therefore no such thing as time, and therefore no such thing as the concept of before. So he replied that the question, what was God doing before he created the universe, is devoid of meaning. So here's something to think about. The original Hebrew is probably not best translated in the beginning God created. If you go back 400 years prior to that first English Bible, we will see that two medieval Jewish rabbis in the 11th century offered a different way to translate that first verse much more closely to the original Hebrew. Their translation is much more nuanced, much more interesting, and I think much more powerful. Genesis 1.1 better reads, when God began to create, the heavens and the earth. Now that may not sound like too much of a difference at first, but if you really think about it, it is very significant. The phrase, when God began to create, suggests that the opening to the creation story is not about suddenly God appearing and creating something out of nothing. This is about God existing even before creation, before time, transcending time and beginning a process that would lead to all that we have and see. It suggests that God's creative activity is ongoing, even until today. 
that God is not yet finished in creating something new in our lives. Plus, if you notice, verse 2 reminds us that God didn't create something out of nothing. There was something there when God began to create. It was, in the Hebrew language, tohu vabohu. In the King James, it reads, without form and void. But the better translation is this, complete chaos. When God began to create, God took a reality that was complete chaos and began to bring order to it. Robert Alter is one of the most distinguished Hebrew scholars alive today, and he, he published a landmark translation of the Old Testament back in 2004 that I'll be referring to throughout this series. And he translates tohu vabohu in this way. When God began to create heaven and earth, the earth then was welter and waste. He said another way to view it is the word futility associated with the trackless vacancy of the desert. That's the kind of existence that greets us at the opening of the Bible. And this is really an important entry point for us in the story. Because if, if the process of God's creation is ongoing rather than completed, and if the work of God's creation is to transform futility and chaos into something ordered, well, that offers great hope for you and for me. I wonder if there's any part of you that is living a tohu vabohu life, one that can be best characterized as chaos right now, futility in your life. And it feels like you're walking through vast tracts of vacant desert. If so, then take heart. Because if God can create order out of universal chaos, some 13.8 trillion years ago, and if God is still in the creation business today, then God can do the same for you. And how is it that God first created order out of chaos? How is it that God wants to do the same for you right now? Well, it's simple. God said, let there be light. And there was light. The presence of light helps create order out of chaos. Think of it this way. As human beings, our ability to sense light is the most important way that we engage the world around us. For dogs, it's the sense of smell. Their noses contain some 300 million receptors to detect smells, compared to only 6 million in ours. For bats, it's the sense of hearing. They can hear ultrasound wavelengths, which we cannot hear. But for humans, it is all about eyesight. Anywhere from 20 to 50% of our brain is used at times to process the information gained from our eyes. And so when God begins to create order out of chaos in your life, the first thing God does in you is open your eyes. This will be a recurring theme throughout the rest of the Bible. The healing of blind people, the shining of God's glory, the coming of Jesus who John describes in the beginning as being the light of all people, which the darkness could not overcome. Now, as you start this new year, you may find yourself living a life that is without form and void, like walking over vast tracts of desert. And your prayer might simply be this, God, let there be light in my life. Some 
glimmer or beam of your love that might fill me and surround me and bring order to the chaos of my life. And if you want a powerful and visible reminder of God's constant presence with you, then I invite you to go back to the beginning of your own story. For your faith journey begins right here in the waters of baptism. Genesis 1-1 tells us that when God began to create heaven and the earth, and the earth was welter and waste and darkness was over the deep and God's breath hovered over the waters, that's when God said, let there be light. So it's fitting then that today we join with Christians around the world in remembering our baptisms, the place where our faith journey began and the place where God's spirit hovered over the waters of our lives and first opened our eyes to an awareness of God's love and grace. It'll be a chance for you to reaffirm the vows of your baptism, to renounce your sin, to profess your faith in Jesus, and recommit to being a part of this church, which Christ has opened to all people. It's a perfect way to start this year and to start this worship series as we celebrate once again the God who is still creating order out of chaos and opening your eyes to the light of love and grace. So I invite you to have water in front of you and respond to these vows as they appear on the screen. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Christian life is redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. Through baptism, we are initiated into the covenant of God's grace and given new birth through water and the spirit. So on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. I do. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. As in the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. And when you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. And when the time was right, you sent Jesus, who was born in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John, and he was anointed by your Holy Spirit. And he called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. And so, God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and all who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, so that dying and being raised with Christ they may share in his final victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. At this time, we invite you to touch the water in a way that will remind you of God's love and grace in your life. You may simply touch the water with your hand, 
or to touch it to your forehead. Some people make the sign of the cross on their head or their hand in a way that reminds you of God's grace that's been operating in your life since the very beginning. And we also want to let you know that if you have not yet been baptized, we still encourage you to be part of this moment with the water, that it might be a first step towards someday receiving the waters of baptism for yourself in your own faith journey. So, with gratitude in our hearts, we invite you right now to remember your baptism and be very grateful. I hope this message gave you some new ways to think about how God can work in the world and in your life. And if you want to know more about our community and how to get baptized, visit hydeparkumc.org forward slash baptism and complete our baptism form. This will get the process started and one of our pastors will get in touch with you. And down in the notes below are some reflection questions to help you continue processing this content. And if you want to talk about this message with other people or join us in worship, visit hydeparkumc.org slash next steps to find out more. We'll see you next time.